Welcome to devmo.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. And I'm Ryan Ireland from ryanireland.com. And I'm John Morton from jmx2.com. <laughs> John's not sure where he's from. <laughs> well, I'm and from <laughs> many places. So, <laughs> <laughs> And today we have on Adam Bradley, the Director of Technology at Builder.io. How you doing, Adam? Pretty good. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. And in fact, we want to talk to you about this thing called Party Town. So first of all, I I love the name. Party Town (laughs) is a fantastic name. But if you were at the airport in Cusco in Peru and you had a bag of these coca leaves that you saw the natives were chewing on them and were enjoying them and you had them packed in your luggage and you're trying to go through security and the security woman looks up at you and says, I won't go through your bag. If you explain to me what Party Town is, what would you tell her? Python is a way to make your websites faster so that if you have like an e-commerce site, you could sell more products. All right. So it makes it faster. So is it what? Tell me exactly what this thing is and and what it does and why would it make it faster? Yeah. So I do like to, I probably should start out. I like to start out like this is still entirely experimental, right? It's not 100% proven. I'm not saying you need to deploy this to Amazon.com today. So I do. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You're looking, you're right now, you're on a podcast with three people that have Party Town running in production right now. And you just told us we shouldn't be doing it. Okay. All right. Continue. So what Python is, basically, we're able to take third-party scripts and run them inside of a web worker rather than the main thread. And so the big idea is, is that this frees up the main thread to run your application, all of your React code, Angular code, whatever it is, whatever your code's running, it can do its job as fast as possible with all the resources it has available. And then the stuff that kind of can run in the background, the stuff that can slowly, you know, post to Google Tag Manager, things like that, we can offload that into the web worker and let it take its time and do its own thing somewhere else on the other side of the world that that we kind of just don't really care about its performance as much. And so because of that separation, the whole idea, the whole theory is, is that that's going to allow your main application to run much, much faster. And with that, the benefits would be something like, especially like an e-commerce site where time to interactive, you know, how long does it take the page load? How long does it take images load? That matters a lot for someone making a lot of sales. And if it makes just a bump in 1% sales, things like that, it's definitely worth it. So that's the whole idea behind this is that we needed a way to pretty much, I, I think, you know, any web developer can is familiar with the story of they spend weeks, months, whatever, trying to make their website a lot faster. And they've achieved it. Achieved it. They get 100 scores. Everything works perfect. They're very proud of their 100% Lighthouse score. And then all of a sudden, somebody more than likely the marketing team adds about 20 analytics to their site. And now all of a sudden, they're scoring like a 40. So it's very... And I've been through this numerous times in my career. And it's oh, very... Yeah. Like, everything <laughs> is wonderful until the client gets involved, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so like you're like, what? I did everything I could possibly know to make this faster. And now I'm being told that there's a lot of unused JavaScript from Google Tag Manager by Google telling you that you need to improve it. And to (laughs) be fair, they don't know. A lot of times I I work with marketers and they don't know the impact of what they're doing. They just know this needs to be tracked. So to, to be fair, I feel like they may not even be aware of this. Even though yeah, and, I, I agree, it is the bane of my existence. <laughs> and I totally, totally like to be absolutely fair. It's like, I think it's a necessary evil, hmm. especially for a business. I mean, there's a lot of data that goes into making decisions. We can't just say, well, it's going to slow down by 1%. Let's not, let's, let's lose all this data of like, how would you make a business decision? So like, I think analytics are absolutely necessary, not even necessary evil. They're, they're necessary. It's just that there's a lot of things that they do also that slows down your website. So, so any, any large scale site that's not a personal blog, absolutely. I, I don't think it's fair to say say, well, just remove all the third-party scripts. That's, that's what you should do. Well, there is a tipping point, right? So let's say that marketing is trying to track 
exactly what happens in their purchasing funnel, right? Yeah. There is a tipping point in terms of conversions that if you make the performance so bad, you're going to impact the conversions that you get, sort of a Schrodinger's cat kind of situation where just the fact that you're observing them going through the flow, if you make the performance so terrible, that can affect the very thing that you were trying to track, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then then it compounds. The, the more you add, if it's just Google Tag Manager, oh, this isn't so bad. Oh, yeah. It knocks down two points. But then when you've got 15 added, each one kind of makes the other one worse because they're all doing their own things. And, and the other thing I've really noticed in you know scanning through the, the internals of how these, these analytics are working, there's a lot of them that have set intervals of every 100 milliseconds, scan the DOM for something. And so one of them doing that, it's not very good. 15 of them doing that in many different locations. That's that's kind of why our, our sites are being hit so hard is because there's so much that they're doing to your DOM. And that's the kind of the whole point behind Python. So, well, let's slow them down a little bit. Let's kind of batch those operations. Let's do it when we're when we've got time. Let's do it when we're not affecting performance. And, and that's kind of the, the idea is, yes, they're going to run a little bit slower, but that's also kind of a feature in my eyes. So well, let's talk about this for a second, because we're not talking about running the scripts somewhere else or not running them at all. We're talking about running them in a different thread. So let's talk about what that means and what even a thread is. Sure. Right? So if you load your, your browser, and I understand there's a concept of something called a main thread that stuff runs on. What does that mean? And what does it mean to then run something else in an additional thread? Tell me what that means. Sure. So the main thread is basically everything that you can see. It's it's the it's the main browser. It's the buttons that you click and it's how everything gets updated. And so that's traditionally everything we know about the web is is on the main thread. And that's just how JavaScript has always worked is everything is is together and the images are together, HTML together, all uh, happily working together on the main thread. And it's been practical for over a decade now is there is also a technology called web workers, which has been available to all the browsers. I think even uh, IE 9 or 8 has web workers. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I don't know. I, but it has been available for quite a while. And what web workers do is it's able to use the other process, the other cores that your computers have, and runs the this long-running task into a different thread, which doesn't affect the main thread. So if you have something that's that's blocking and it's, uh, let's say you have a while loop that just takes a second to, to do something, normally that while loop would completely lock down your browser and you won't be able to click anything and it just, your site would not be responsive at all. But if you ran into the web worker, it would have no effect onto the main thread. And the web worker could be blocked for one second for all we care, but it really doesn't matter because it's not affecting your website. And it's actually preferred to have long range tasks and things like that inside of the web worker. So it's basically allowing multi-threaded JavaScript applications to be possible on the web. And then I'm assuming the very next question is, well, how come we don't just always use them everywhere, right? They sound great, like they solve all problems, right? No, actually, that wasn't my next question. <laughs> my, my next, uh, but that will be the question sure. after this. So actually, the next thing I was going to say was a stupid analogy that I was going to make is you go to McDonald's, you go up to the, the window and you order a Big Mac, a fries and a Coke. The traditional way where everything is running off of the main thread is one person takes your order, they go back, they make your burger, they wrap it up, they go to the drink counter, they fill up the drink, they go to the fries, they throw them in the basket, they put it all in the bag, and then they charge you for it, and then they, they hand it to you, right? That is single-threaded. That is one yes. person doing all of the work here. In a multi-threaded environment where you've got extra workers, right? They're even called workers. What a fantastic <laughs> thing, right? What would happen is you one person takes your order, and then person making the burger sees the order come up, starts making the burger. Same thing with the fries. Another person is making the soda. As soon as they're ready, they all just deliver them to you and uh, deliver them to that one person 
person, they put it in the bag and they hand it to you, right? So it's the same work is being done, but it's being done in parallel by other workers. Is that, what do you think? I is think that, that all right? That is, a, that is a great analogy to explain how like more than one thing can happen at the exact same time because right. basically you've got two workers doing it. And then there's the added effect of, well, with the browser, when you've got one person doing it, that can also make the browser kind of janky, you know, because yep. they're they're thinking about one thing. Like if, if let's say someone's making the burger and they're being asked a thousand questions, it's yeah, very hold on hard a minute, for them sir. to- Hold on a minute, yeah. sir. I'll be right back. Yeah, hold yeah. on. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So yeah, that's a great analogy. And because we're, we're on modern machines that have tons of cores, tons of uh, places where these things can run, we're underutilizing our machines when we load most web pages because it's single threaded. It's just, it's a little bit more involved than that, but let's just simplify it and think about it from that perspective. But now my question to you, Adam, <laughs> is why aren't we just doing this all the time then? Yes, especially since it's been available for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, so there are a couple good projects out there, like uh, I think Comlink exists, Worker Dom exists, where there is ways to easily run long running tasks. So if you had to do a huge calculation that normally takes a second, it would be best to do that calculation in the web worker and you can send back the value over the over the wire, basically using post message. And that's that's been possible for a long time absolutely preferred. But what the web worker cannot do is access the DOM or the window. So it's not able to hmm. you know, do query selector. It can't find the body. It can't change CSS uh, and things like that. And so that's kind of where, well, that's the majority of what webs do. Is that it's entirely changing elements, setting attributes, reading properties. And so unless so you make just, It can make the burger, but it can't hand it to the customer is what you're telling me. Well, yeah, it, it can't even <laughs> get access to the buns. It just, oh my God. <laughs> you know, right? It, it, it's, <laughs> it's a great... It's a funny way to put it. Um, it. It basically, yeah, it's not able to access the DOM that to do everything that our web apps are asking them to do. You know, so if you're writing a view app or you're something like that. It's it's updating the title and and all that. So without being able to update the DOM, it's very very limiting. It only can be given data. And here's some JSON data. Do some calculation and return some JSON data. And that's really what it's been used for from the beginning. But so that's where Python comes in, is that it basically allows access to the DOM. And again, this has even always been possible in the past where you can, between the two worlds, you can asynchronously post, I want ac- I want to read what the document title is. And then the main thread is like, well, this is a document title and respond to it asynchronously in the post message response. The problem is that with everyone else's traditional code, basically the Google Tag Manager and the billions of other scripts out there, they're all running synchronously. So when Google Tag Manager asks for document that title, it's expecting to have a, a blocking value immediately on the as a uh, the value of that. It's not waiting on a promise or a callback. Like none of that code exists. It's just document that title, the value equals this. And so there's no polyfills really to allow that to work because just at the lowest level, communicating between threads has to be asynchronous. So there was no way to kind of like trick it other than always just batching up the entire document and sending it over. And that's, uh, that's a lot of what WorkerDOM does, but that also just doesn't scale for other people's code. So, and what I mean by this is I can't call up Google Analytics tomorrow and say like, you guys were doing it this way. I, I would much rather have you use a, a callback to read the document title. You know, that's, they're not gonna be like, oh, I'm sorry, Adam. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that done. You know, and that's even if they did do that and they changed the responses for the billions and billions of responses that happened just the time I was talking, we've got millions of other companies that have scripts written a certain way too, and they're not going to change the way it's written. So we just can't ask everyone to rewrite their code to handle DOM asynchronously because it's also, there's no APIs to do that. So So to get back to my dumb analogy, because I'm getting confused, my head is starting to spin. This hotel (laughs) coffee is just not doing its job. It's almost like we've got all these workers that can help us out, but they can't really talk to each other and they don't have access to the most important thing, which is the 
the order coming from the customer, right? So we need some way for these worker processes to be able to talk to the, the main process and be able to get information from the DOM. And you're, you're also saying essentially that all of the scripts that you want to run in these other workers, we can't expect that the authors are going to rewrite it so that it can work in a way that will work in, in uh, with asynchronous results. We got to figure out some way that we can shim it. So it's just going to work. And that is that what Party yeah. Town kind of the magic that it implements for us? Yeah, it, it really is that because it's just not realistic to say, to tell the entire world, rewrite everything to be asynchronous because that's not going to happen. Yep. And, so and it's confusing. Party- like, And it's really confusing. Yeah. So it's, one of the reasons why there is one thread is that it just simplifies the model of what yeah. you have to be able to do to compose a page because this is a super complicated thing. And anyone who's ever done threaded programming, it actually can be really complicated to do well and to do right, especially when you have multiple threads running that kind of depend on each other and all that kind of good stuff. So how did you yeah. solve it? So there's two big tricks. Um, there's two different ways to solve it with, at least that I'm aware of. Um, one is with what I pretty much call a trick is using service workers and synchronous XHI requests that the service worker intercepts. And so the, the big idea is that we create a service worker and we say, if you ever happen to see this URL, hmm. let's intercept it. And then I will respond with some data for it. And so that is kind of our link to allow things to happen. To That's kind of your API. Synchronous, yeah, between synchronous, to, we convert it into an asynchronous code. So according to the web worker, we pretty much build up, hey, I need to know document that title. So here's my little format of the JSON object that I want to send. Let's do a synchronous request to this URL. And synchronously, I'm going to get a response of what the data was. And so my little proxy of document that title, when it gets called, according to that code, it was immediate. It doesn't actually realize that it took four milliseconds to happen. According to that code, it got it immediately. It was blocking call. It wasn't asynchronous code. That's pretty um, interesting. So for anyone who doesn't know, service workers, they allow you to intercept any request coming in or out of the browser. So they're, they're incredibly powerful. But they can sit there kind of like a traffic cop and they can look at every request that is coming in or out, and they can decide whether they want to do something or pass it on to the browser or whatever. And it sounds like what you've done in a very clever manner is you've implemented a service worker. And I don't know, we'll call it a REST API. I mean, I know it's not probably (laughs) REST, but something like that, where you've got URL segments maybe, or some other way of describing your API. And the service worker is what looks for those API requests and then sends them off and and handles the communication. That's really clever. That's a really clever way to do it. Yeah. And kind of like a proxy or something like a javascript proxy yeah so so basically we we build up the dom really and that's another thing is the dom doesn't exist whatsoever inside of web worker so we have to provide something called document so then you're going to like well you have to add get attribute and class list and things like that that could easily become a one megabyte file to implement the dom just like something like js dom providing for node Yep. And so had we re-implemented the entire DOM, one, that would have been a huge file. And two, we would have defeated the entire purpose because now we've got, we're telling everyone to download this huge object to speed up your website. So it would have been counterintuitive to, and probably would have been worse to do that. <laughs> So instead, a big part of Party Talent is pretty much just making a bunch of proxies that look like the DOM. And the, and it even doesn't even copy. Like, I don't know the word get attribute or set attribute. I just said on the main thread, of, hey, give me this whole DOM implementation of what's a function, what's a property. Just kind of, it kind of scans through everything. It's like, oh, this there's a, on a window, there's a thing called document. On document, there's this thing called get attribute, you know, and, and things like that. And so we build up this quickly on the main thread. We build up of basically what is the DOM made up of? And we throw all that information over to the web worker and then the web worker 
creates basically that recreates the DOM from this information making proxies. And so hmm. we didn't have to rewrite the DOM. We don't have to worry about differences between Chrome ships something new tomorrow, but Safari doesn't have it. And that's all part of it. Where it's like, well, it's not supported in this browser, so it doesn't know about it. And so so a lot of that happened. So basically, I didn't have to re-implement the DOM. I just have a bunch of proxies that know how to say like, well, document that title is called. So let's just forward that command over here. Hmm. That knows how to do what to do, whatever, right? And it responds with some information. So the actual implementation on the web worker side is oblivious to how any of that stuff works. It's just, oh, I'm a proxy. I'm going to call a property and I return this value. That is really cool. And the long and the short of it is that what we're now able to do, thanks to the magic that you have implemented that you just described, is we can take our scripts and I, I guess it could be absolutely anything. But the way I first approached this was from an analytics tracking point of view, because like you said, one of the most frustrating things, and I'm sure Ryan has experienced this and, and John has experienced experiences is you create a site and you put Google Tag Manager on it. You might even go the extra mile where you're, you'll self-host that script to make sure that you know, you've got the right headers on it and all that kind of good stuff. But inevitably, what that essentially is doing is it's it's leaving the teenage kids at home alone when you're going out, you're going on vacation, right? They're going to throw a party. There's going to be stuff everywhere. It's not going to be party town. It's going to be worse than that. The cops are going to be called illegal drugs, like all sorts of stuff is going to be going on. I've seen that so many times that marketers and, you know, again, I'm not blaming them. They don't know necessarily that it is causing these problems and they want to track stuff on their site, but they're not aware of the impact and performance. So they just load it up with every tracking thing under the sun. I mean, I've seen analytics implementations that have just literally 20 megabytes of JavaScript that ends up getting long tail downloaded to the site. Yes. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And all of that work, all of that JavaScript is stuff that has to go to the client and it has to be executed on the client side. And that all uses up time and space on this device, which a lot of times is going to be a mobile phone and it can be pretty horrendous in terms of the performance. And so that's why I've been approaching using Party Town for that. And my understanding, John, is that you kind of did the same thing. Is that right? Yeah. Just as a test, I did a test on my own site in anticipation of maybe doing it on a client site who uh, the client shall re remain nameless because, you know, NDAs and stuff like that. But they love Google Tag Manager and inserting <laughs> loads and loads of tracking yes. scripts. Yep. For the very yep. reasons you guys have already talked about, it's a business decision, like what to do down the line based on analytics. So yeah, there's a lot of analytics. The tracking yeah. scripts are the cocaine of the <laughs> web marketing industry. Yeah. And you're telling people, go to Studio 54, but you're not going to have any of this. It's not going to happen. They're going to put tracking look. stuff on them. Yes. Yeah. Just look. Yeah. Another thing I've, I've noticed a lot is people changing their roles, developers change, uh, marketers change. And so someone will like, well, this service is the best service. Let's install this one. Time changes, like, actually, this is the best service. Let's install this one. But they left the first one in, you know, so there's a lot of like, oh, we're not even using these five, but they're still making a big damage on the, on the website. So that's something that's, if you're not using it, remove it right away. Oh, I've had the same thing where I've been called in to do consulting. And the first thing that I do is I, I, I talk with the marketing person there and say, well, what are you using? And they're like, I, I don't know. And so the first thing that we did is audit everything because it's exactly what you're saying, where roles have, have turned over and new people have come on and they'll end up with, you know, five different scripts that are essentially doing the same thing and you got to audit it. Yeah, but but yeah, John, exactly. what was your motivation for trying to get this on? You're interested in getting it on a client site. Why? What is your motivation? So my client uses Google Tag Manager to manage all tags, so which is kind of great. At least there is like a sing single entry point in the yep. page. Mm -hmm. They're not randomly inserting, you know, code for some like LinkedIn pixel or just there's they're not messing with the code. They're just dealing with Google Tag Manager to but add. But they are. Their... But they are, John. <laughs> well, they are, but 
they're not messing with my code. So if I can put the Google Tag Manager into a party town mm. worker, then, and I don't, haven't implemented this part of it yet, but in, in my mind, everything they stick into Google Tag Manager will have their execution realm be party town. Is that correct? Is that how it works, Adam? That's largely how it works with some caveats that things that are more UI based, something like intercom where it's got a bubble that pops up, yeah. um, that all still works too, but it's not as fast as if it was just there from the go. And so there's, so it's kind of a, we're discovering pick and choose which ones you think are the the best ones for party town. Mm-hmm. And so that's where really, you know, Facebook pixel, Google tag manager for sure, Google analytics, those are the easy ones because they don't, they don't really affect the UI, but yeah. like with Wistia, you know, even Wistia, you know, the video service, we have that working, but there's little things that aren't working yet, like little bugs that show up of the media source and media list objects aren't there. And so there's a lot of little quirky things. So it's hard to say that like everything's just going to magically work. In yeah. theory, yes, it is going to magically work. But uh, there's there's a couple odd APIs that Canvas I got working recently. I just can't say that everything's going to just work magically. Yeah. Um, well, that's why it's on my personal sites instead of my clients' sites at the moment. Well, and it may seem, I want to reiterate this, that all of the code is still running where it would have run before. It's running in their client browser, but Mm -hmm. it's running in a separate thread. And it may sound like this is kind of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Like you're still running all the stuff, you know, what's the difference? (laughs) Well, the difference is that the main thread isn't blocking. So you're not going to see all that jank. You're not going to have that white screen while it waits for all of this garbage to load that honestly the client doesn't care about right ryan i mean when you're looking at potentially implementing this i assume that you are looking at doing it for performance reasons too a a way to kind of allow the marketers to have their cake and eat it too so they can have their tag manager but still have decent performance when someone loads the site yeah in fact i'm trying to implement it right now as we're talking Oh, no wonder he had that look on his face. So literally, on air, on the podcast, he's trying to make it work. We're doing it live. So yeah. so I run a, uh, Adam, a, a training site. And I like, you know, I have video and there's a certain overhead there. But also I like to communicate back to the email tool I, I use so I know the type of account someone has and things like that, you know, so I can send them the right emails. So some of these tools aren't, I've used Intercom as well. They're not great in terms of the impact they have on the performance. But yeah, so... I feel like I can have, that's the goal, is to have some of these nice tools, but not have it slow down. Because I've done exactly what you said in the beginning of the podcast. I put it up, you know, did a test on Lighthouse. I was like, wow, like everything that I need is completely decimating my my score. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like something that we don't talk about that we're all just kind of okay yeah. with. So and, what is and, our status, Ryan? Currently, you're trying to implement it right now, live on the air. I don't yeah, want. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just no, configuring no my, su- my Vite config. That's, I'm just sort of. Okay. Yeah. No, no tech support questions. Okay. Yeah. While I'm here, because <laughs> I don't want to, I want, I don't want to bore people or Adam or anything so, like that. But you're probably what 10 percent of the way there. Would you say? I, I don't know. I don't know how many percent. This is for me. This is more of an indeterminate progress bar than a determinate progress bar. But so what's interesting for me like John, I'm doing it on my own project, but this is also, it impacts customers for me, but so I can, you know, measure as well. When you talked about tools like Intercom, it's not that the scripts will stop, will not work. It's just as it's a delay until the, the little chat bubble pops up. Is yeah. That- I would, I'd, and that's kind of why I've still labeled it as beta. It's like, mm-hmm. I'd be fearful to say, you know, use it right now because I know it's going to work hundred percent. Yeah, because I don't think that's the case. So with Intercom, I know it has, we are able to speed it up more. So every DOM operation normally takes about three to four milliseconds, depending on the machine. And so that doesn't sound so bad, but when you've got 
thousands of them happening, that's when you can see things slowly pop in. Mm -hmm. And so we've done a lot of optimizations where all the setters and then one getter can actually turn into one message. Mm. And that has made some huge improvements in, in the performance. And so with Intercom, we have a working version. It actually does work pretty well, but there's still some areas I would like to improve further yet. And so that's why, you know, I just want to say like, it's it's going to yeah. absolutely be magic right now. I can't um, imagine you get hate mail if the Intercom chat bubble <laughs> took a little bit longer to appear. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's that's the kind of nice thing about, I will say, don't put your web app inside of Partytown. You know, a lot of people have kind of said, you know, I've tried getting Vue to work inside of it, things like that. It's like, well, it's not really intent. It's not going to make wow. anything better. Yeah, and I try to be clear. It's like, this is for stuff that is not critical. This right. is stuff mm. that can take a second later. Right. You know, and really, and if you look at the design of all of these analytics, they do work asynchronously. Google Tag Manager has an async tag. It gets appended to the head after things have been loaded. So they're all designed to be a little bit later. And so that's the stuff what's for. Even Intercom doesn't start up that bubble until after the DOM is ready. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of the stuff Python is better suited for. It's like the stuff that can take a moment later, let's put that over there. The problem is that they are also restricted to, they're going to fight for resources the second that they start to load. And that's when you, it's going to be fighting that your click handler is not going to work now because Google Tag Manager is trying to install. So it's things like that. So Adam, because I was having you on the show, I created a little bit of work for myself. So I maintain a plugin called SEOmatic for Craft CMS. And it's what it sounds like. It's an SEO plugin. One of the things that it does allow you to do is it allows you to activate a number of very common tracking scripts from GTAG to Google Analytics 4 to Google Tag Manager, Matomo, all the things, mm -hmm. right? Just to make it easier for people to turn them on. And I added the, a feature in there. It was already built into it from a programmatic point of view, but I added it to the GUI that you could add additional attributes to the script tags that it's going to create because because I want to be able to create type equals text slash party town. Right. So I did that. I pushed out that update. And then I updated the devmo.fm website to use party town. So it's using it now. It's using party town 100% to do the tracking via Google Analytics. And it, it literally just worked. So all I had to do was I inlined a little bit of the partytown.js script. I inlined that in the head. Mm -hmm. And then all I had to do was, and in this case, I was actually using SEOmatic to generate that little stub that is needed for Google Analytics. I just added the type equals text slash partytown attribute to that script. And I was done. There's nothing else to do because apparently what happens is that little shim loads and then it will look for any scripts of the type text slash partytown. And I, I didn't change anything in the script. I just added that type to it and then it will automatically do what work its magic to run those via the web worker right is that kind of how yep. it works yep exactly basically and so that's the other big trick behind this is that the type attribute of a script tag you can have it type equals text slash javascript that's kind of the older way to tell it that i need to execute this yep. if you don't include the type attribute at all it's also basically oh i need to execute this but if you give it a type attribute that the browser doesn't recognize such as text slash Python, it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Let's just treat this as a data block and let's pass right, right through it. Like it does nothing basically. You know, that's also like the, an older way of doing templates. Old Ang AngularJS would have script tags and have a type attribute to make it not execute. And that's how you can put some JSON data. So anyways, it's a it's a trick of for the browser to, it's not even a trick, it's it's well-documented. This is how you you use a type attribute. So well, yeah, that's um, how you use the, the module, no module pattern too, yep, right? Exactly. Where you can make yep. it so that modern stuff will load if the browser knows what a script type equals module is. And if it doesn't, it just won't even try to load it. So you're taking advantage of that same mechanism. 
mechanism. Yep, exactly. I did have it labeled as just type equals party town. Hmm. And some of my uh, Google friends said, well, you should probably have a text slash party town because that's more in line of the mind type stuff. So that was one change I did. But yeah, that's the whole idea is like it basically tells the browser, okay, you're an element, but I have no idea what's inside here. So I'm not going to execute the JavaScript. But then at the same time, it's now a attribute on this element that I can query select for later. Mm. So after the page is done, finished loading, none of that JavaScript executed. Party Town starts up its worker. Party Town's like, all right, I'm all ready to go. Everything's lazy. Time to loaded. party. Yep, it's time to party. Let's go find all of these scripts that they, they want to run. And it goes one by one, you know, asynchronously just goes, all right, who's the next guy? Who's the next guy? And it just kind of slowly goes down. You know, this happens as fast as possible, but slowly goes down one by one and executes them all in the same order that they're in the DOM. So I have a question. I well, I, I installed mine probably, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. I think it was version 0.2.3. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do that. And my and I was using Universal Google Analytics. And it looks like I had, had to right. run that through a proxy. And I, I set that up and it's working. Is is that something that you're able to solve for down the line, not needing a proxy? Or is that going to be something I always <laughs> have to do? So specifically Google Analytics. I You know how I joked about like calling up Google and seeing if they could change how they do script? Well, I, I tried mm-hmm. that with Google They'll Analytics. They'll get back to you. <laughs> Yeah. Basically, and- the problem with uh, some of the scripts is that they've always traditionally been added to the document used as a script tag. And so as a script tag, cores doesn't actually come into play. So the cross-origin resource sharing yep. actually isn't a problem if it's added as a script tag. And these have been script tags since day one. And so Google Analytics, Google, the universal analytics has never needed that cores header. So they've never put it on. They tried to enable it apparently, and they saw some some stuff drop off. And so they quickly reverted that. And so they've never going to try that again. That said, GA4, which is the newer version of Google Analytics everyone should be using, that one does have the cores header. So their recommendation to me, and I I just recently documented is basically Google wants you to update the GA4 to begin with, and it has the correct headers. And so that's really the the best route is. uh, Yeah. And, and yeah, and I probably can talk a little bit more about this restriction and the, and the gotchas behind it. And I wish I could get around, but I'm not sure if I can. Well, let me, one of the things that I did as a solution to that, John, and I actually was already doing this as part of my build process, I was having it download the Google Analytics script so that I could serve it locally. So as part of my, it was Webpack, now it's a Vite build process. It pulls down the Google Analytics script and I serve it up locally. And I was already doing that for performance reasons, because then I can set the expiry and other headers on this JavaScript resource. It doesn't have to go out to, you know, whatever third-party server that Google wants to run it off of. If you're doing that, you don't have to worry about it because now you control the headers for the file that's being served. So if you did need a quick fix, you could always just download that script and serve it up locally and it would just work. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I realize I could do that. I'm just trying to recreate this. You know, what would my client do in their scenario kind of situations? Adam had a very disapproving look on his face. No, no, no. I just, no, Honestly, that was the first time that's ever occurred to me. And it just made me think like I was going to beg you to submit a PR to document that. Mm. Like this is one way to round it because I do explain because this is this is one of the I have it in the trade offs of yep. you know, the downside of this is that certain services don't put that cores header on there. And because we're requesting these files with JavaScript in the web worker, then you need to have a proxy. And that's just not easy to explain. And it's and it's also sporadically. I think Facebook Pixel doesn't have it, but then many of them do. HubSpot, Intercom, all of them have don't have this issue. So it's yeah. it's a I, tough I would one. be I would be more than happy to to do a pull request adding that in there. It's something that, as I mentioned, the SEO matter plugin 
I have provided the facility for you to put in your own URL to this mm-hmm. script. It, it defaults to what it should be, you know, the script out in the cloud, but you can just put in whatever URL you want. Yeah. And self-hosting resources like this, whether they are JavaScript files or fonts that maybe you would get them from Google fonts, but you don't want to deal with the, the tracking or the additional latency, you can self-host them. And in the same way, you can self-host these tracking JavaScripts so that you're not going to get dinged for them not having proper expires, header, headers, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'd be happy to do a PR that's yeah, just I, mentioning, hey, self-host, that's another option. Yeah, I love that. I love that. We add that as an option to, to the docs. I think that's a great solution, and especially you don't got another DNS lookup and all. Yeah, there's a lot of good benefits there. Yeah, there, there are many benefits to self-hosting this type of stuff for performance reasons without Party Town being in the mix at all, which is one of the reasons why I had support for it and was doing it already. I feel like this is, we've got, we should check in on our, our student over there. Ryan, uh, yeah. how, how are we doing? Are we doing uh, good? We're good. I had to spin up my Docker containers for the project here locally. So I was just okay. waiting for that. He's to... spinning up his Docker containers, so we, he won't be finished by the time we're done the show. Um, but so. Adam, Adam, I wanted to <laughs> yeah. ask in terms of since I'm just now getting this set up, is there a base entry level to get Party Town working that doesn't require somebody configuring Webpack, Vite, and all that? What like is there an easy road in for people? Yeah, that was kind of key to the to the original design is that we wanted to make sure this you needed to use Webpack or Rollup or whatever to to get this to work, and also that it needs to work on WordPress and Shopify, like it needs to work on the web. And so at the WordPress. very very lowest, yeah, yeah at the very very low level, it it just needs to work on an HTML document. And so even our our, our React wrapper and we got Remix documentation, things like that. Really, those are just React wrappers to just a very vanilla, this is a text that gets put inside of a script. And so on the site, there is an HTML section that kind of talks about that yep. uh, under the integrations. Yeah, you do not need to be using a build system at all, Ryan, for any of this. Once you have the thing installed, you can actually just use PartyTown and they've got a built-in command called copylib that it will copy the libraries to whatever destination you need, wherever it needs to be. And then all you have to do is link to it in your document and you're done. You don't have to do anything else. It does not have to be part of the build process at all. Yep. And like the the copylib CLI is purely for convenience. You don't have to use it. There's, There's many ways to copy files however you want to do it. It's fine. I just found it easier to add to projects inside your NPM scripts or something like that. And also it, that kind of hits on the other thing, the caveat that that I wish I could solve, but don't think it's solvable is that because it's a service worker, these files need to be hosted from your right. same site. So right. they can't come from a CDN. Like if they're from CDN, this would be a lot easier to implement, but that's kind of the big gotcha is why these files need to be copied to your location. And more importantly, they have to be at a specific place, right? My understanding is right. wherever the service worker is, it can only handle anything that is then below that, anything that is above Correct. that in the, the hierarchy, it will not be able to serve. So you got to make sure it's at the, the root level where all your stuff is going to be, right? Yep. And that's why there's that's why it's in the directory of uh, Tilde Party Town. So I will say for anyone that already has a directory called Tilde Party Town, I apologize that I <laughs> that, that won't work for you. You'll have to rename it. But for everyone else that doesn't have that directory, that's, that's the one that it's scoped under there so that yeah. you can still have your own service worker. We don't want to touch that. You can do whatever you want with service worker. 
we don't have you know, any other sculpt ones you have, but this is the Party Town sculpt one is under that directory. Yeah, but so we went about it two different ways. I implemented it the way you're talking about it. I just added, I basically copied and pasted from the docs, the Party Town NPM script, which basically just says Party Town, copy lib, and then path to where you want the libraries copied to. And then in my build script in NPM, I just did ampersand, ampersand, NPM run Party Town. So it will do yep. its build that it was doing before. And at the end of that, it will just copy them into place. John did it the other way that was in the documentation. You want to describe how you did it, John? Well, it's in the documentation because I added my little Vite config in there, but I use yep. a roll-up plugin in my Vite config to copy uh, the Party Town stuff to the appropriate directory for my project. And as you said, Adam, lots of different ways to copy files. All we're trying to do is copy files from one directory to another directory yep. as part of the build process. So if you're already using, I guess the, the metric I would use is if your build process, if you're already using a plugin that copies files, then do it that way. And if you're not, just do it the, the Party Town copy lib way, because then you're not adding another dependency just to do it. You know, yep, But it doesn't exactly. really matter, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's because it's, I would imagine a lot of people already have Webpack and a copy task and an array of things copied this to here. Yep. You know, so like just add it there. And so that's what this documentation is trying to say. It's like, there's many ways to do it. Here's a few ways that might work for you. Oh, you know, I have a question for you that may just be very specific to me. All right. So when I first installed it, as I told you, I was on 0.2.3. When I update it, and this is just my ignorance about service workers, does that service worker get updated automatically or does that get stuck in someone's cache for a while? That will get stuck for up to a day in someone's cache. So continue to use the old one for up to a day. As far as I'm aware and have tested, that's what I've seen is happening. But that's also why those files aren't hashed. I purposely, you know, yep. the service worker recommendation is always you don't hash that, that SWJS file. Okay. And then the ones underneath that, I'm also not hashing for fear that they could get out of sync. This one's using version two, this one was using version three. So I want to make sure that they, they're not being hashed either. All right. Could yeah. I had, one. I had seen after my update that oh, my live site didn't report the update, but then I wiped everything out of my storage and it was what yeah. I expected to see. Yeah, and that's, and again, service workers, I still see as as the trick. And haven't you talked about yet, like Atomics. Atomics is where I really would rather have Partytown working natively all the time for everyone. And I think we can get there, but it might be a little while yet. We have yeah. all the tools in place, but. Yeah, I saw Atomics in your documentation. I'm like, holy, I have no idea what that is. So <laughs> I, I was I was surprised and confused at the same time. So yeah, Adam, I, if you were at the North Korean border and you accidentally <laughs> stepped your foot over the line and the, a gun was held to your head saying, we are going to shoot you unless you tell us exactly what atomics is in a way we can understand oh, it, God. what would you say? Oh, man. So uh, <laughs> you got a twofer. <laughs> yeah. So atomics is a way to communicate between two threads and have it blocking synchronously. Got it. Okay, did I make it? You got it? I did <laughs> yeah. get it. Also, the other thing about atomics is I'm far from an expert here. So other people have asked me, like, how do they work? I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's similar that. to the threading system that is used on Linux and Mac OS and a number of other operating systems. Is like Think of it like almost like a port when you think about networking. And it's a port that they can then communicate over. So you've got these threads, they're all running and they're all doing their own crazy stuff. And you need some way for one to talk to the other. And that is a way that threads can communicate at a, at a low level in these operating systems. I don't know anything about atomics, but it sounds kind of similar to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's totally very similar to that where normally to communicate between messages or between threads, you use post message. And so it's still, it's still using that same thing and you have a shared array buffer. And this shared array can go between the two different threads and be read, but you can also tell it to wait. And so we pretty 
pretty much have two different communication layers and two different builds, but they all use the same guts of how everything works, but there's just one little different way of how they communicate. And the Atomics way is when it does a post message, it basically has post message and then does atomics.wait. And then we fill up that shared array buffer with information. And then we say, okay, we got all the information and then it continues. That's the short way of, of basically how it's working. So we're able to communicate at least 10 times faster than the service worker and XHR trick. The build is actually smaller than the service worker way. It does work in Safari, Firefox, and Chrome as of today. The gotcha is that once you enable it, there's a good chance that all your images in JavaScript stop working. Oh, because of, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Okay. So there's yeah. a downside. Yeah. So there's one downside there. And so actually the Python site has got Atomics enabled and it works great. But also the Python site isn't using a lot of CDN images and CDN scripts somewhere from us, some other origin that they would then be blocked because I've now enabled Atomics. And so that's why it's able to get away with it. Whereas an, an actual, I say actual, like a traditional site, an e-commerce site, they're going to have a lot of resources from different origins that have just always worked. And so once you enable Atomics, it says like, well, we're only going to allow things to work from this origin. And so then all those other things stop working. And so that's the big gotcha right now. And I've had many great conversations with the Chrome team. They totally see the issue. There's a new header called Credentialist that helps out a lot there, but that one doesn't work in Safari and Firefox. So there's certainly, they see the issue. They certainly see how Atomics help out Python quite a bit, but it's sadly not something that traditional site can just enable. Probably is something you can enable on your blog, but it'd be hard to do on a larger organization. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get to. I don't want to scare anyone away. So this Atomics thing is something that in the future could be the way forward. But right now, it's probably not quite ready for prime time. And you have to go out of your way to enable it, right? By default, yeah. you're not going to be using that in Party Town. So you're not going to have to worry about any of these caveats. Is that right, Adam? Yeah, that's right. Because the way it's designed now is it checks, do you have Atomics enabled? No, you don't. So let's use the service worker way. Mm. And then the only way to enable Atomics is in your header response of your document needs to have cross-origin open policy, cross-origin embedder policy. And I tried to document best I could of what this means and what you have to do. And even just that re that requirement alone of changing the response headers of your entire site, that's kind of a big ask. If I were to go to Pepsi and say, hey, let's, you know, Pepsi.com, we want you to now respond with these, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big ask and we'd probably break a lot of things in their site. And so so if you inspect the headers, the response of Python site and look at the response headers of the document, you'll see these these different same origin and credentialist response headers. And because those are enabled, the browser is like, hey, this is possible. And then because that has the cross origin true Boolean set on window, then Python knows to use that instead of the service worker build. So Adam, I got to know if there was a microphone in your office when you figured out that you could make worker threads be able to communicate via a service worker by creating a, essentially a REST <laughs> API that is a synchronous way of communicating. Like yeah. what, what kind of stuff would that microphone have picked up? Would it be fist pump? <laughs> or oh yeah or would it be this sounds terrible <laughs> but it could be awesome or, or what how did think, that happen i think a lot of that you know there's a lot of my coworkers and friends they, they quickly got heard of what was going on <laughs> what what i just figured <laughs> out because it's well even i was gonna say on the surface but just in general like it's a crazy hack i mean xhr on the main thread is already being deprecated to be removed from the standards yep but it's not in the web worker because that's a lot of people brought up it's like isn't that being deprecated and removed like well not in the web worker because web workers are import scripts and say like a lot of how everything works in the web workers are synchronous. And even and though that fine. these are requests, and as developers, we get locked into the idea of don't
don't make too many requests. You don't want it to be slow. Even though these are requests, understand that the service worker is running in the browser. So it's going to immediately intercept these requests. It's never going to hit the wire, right? So it's more like an inter-process communication kind of thing going on. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I've also wished there was a way around. And I have documented in the the trade-offs is that you do see in the network tab, all of these hundreds of requests to proxy town, which is, oh, this is going to slow everything down. Well, actually it's not because they're all being handled locally, but they do show up in your network tab. And so that's kind of, it's more of an annoyance than anything else. Probably the logging is slower than the actual execution. Yeah. And so there's two builds, the the debug build, that's got a bunch of console logs and that, that, that spits out a lot, a lot of logs. And so that's really only, you know, debug and they try to step through things. But for the most part, especially with Atomics, this is all silent happening in the background. With the service worker build, you can see the request and the response happening. Well, for anyone who's interested in this, I want to just reiterate what it took for me to get this up and working on the dev mode site. So I just added builder.io slash party town to my package.json and I did an NPM install. And then I added to my build script to tell it to do the run the party town copy libs at the end of the build script to copy all of the libraries to the correct place. I have them in a, a subfolder. So I had to specify that in my party town config. And then I just inlined the party town script on the page and I changed the type of the tracking script that was already on dev mode to type equals text slash party town. And then I shipped it to production and I was done. So I don't know what Ryan's problem is. Like I did it <laughs> in, in under a half hour to get this Docker. thing up and working. And if you go to the devmode.fm site right now and you choose view source and you search on party town, you'll see it referenced a couple of times in there and you'll find a script type equals text slash party town. And it might be party town dash X, which I think Party Town adds after it's executed. Yeah. It. I'm not sure. But you should see it in there if you're listening and you want to see. But that's all I had to do to implement it. Ryan, hi. what's going on? What's the problem? There, there, no, there's no problem. I'm trying to listen and record a podcast at the same time. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's the well, only thing. I see the, the key thing. So I see the Proxy Town requests. And the biggest awesomeness is the last request is to collect question mark to the collect response of Google Analytics. So you know it's working. So like yep. it, it's sent to Google Analytics the information that it collected in the web worker. Yeah. And I checked the PageSpeed Insights score before and after and it, it got better. So that's fantastic. And that is my goal. Now, my own site, the dev mode site, it's already pretty optimized, but I, I do the same thing that Ryan does and that John does where I will use some of these personal sites that I have as sort of a lab to try out these things and see what I can then promote up to clients. I know so many client sites that if I can get this working effectively, Party Town is going to be a game changer for them because their marketing departments require a lot of these tracking things to be on mm-hmm. there. But there are also our tickets in Jura that say, make this faster, optimize this, make sure that the page speed is such and such a thing. And they may or may not know that these are kind of conflicting goals in a way. And Party Town is a way that is, I think is going to allow me to have my cake and eat it too. Is it appealing to you, you two for that reason? Oh my God. I, well, you you know, just because of the text I sent you, when I first stumbled on Party Town, I was like, holy <laughs> expletive deleted. But, you know, I, I loved it. I, I was just in love with this project. So, Adam, thank you so much for this work. It's I've really enjoyed reading about it and playing it, with it. So, And I'm still very new to this, but it, it probably will lower blood pressure the next time you get like a hot jar ticket <laughs> from somebody. <laughs> 
No, I appreciate it. And certainly not done. It's like, again, why it's still in beta because because we're adding more services. So I like actually just see that you've got analytics.js in there. Mm-hmm. So that's a big one that I want to make sure that runs well. Actually, is this one being ran by? It, oh, it is. It works great. It's self-hosted. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. Done. It's um, self-hosted because I, I didn't want to. So I didn't care. Like, I didn't want to upgrade the site to Google Analytics 4 because I just don't care. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point I probably will, but I just don't care. I already was downloading the script and, you, and serving it up locally anyway. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to use this. And it, it works perfectly. I made sure I had the Google uh, Analytics up with on the real-time thing. And then I pinged a bunch of people I know. And I said, please go load this site. And I watched their little pings appearing everywhere. And <laughs> nice. everything everything just worked. Yeah. That's that's great. And yeah, like the other thing that's been a big focus is to make sure that we don't make sure this, whatever, that Google Analytics needs this thing. So let's make sure this little trick works. It's more of like Google Analytics didn't work because this, this DOM operation didn't work. So let's fix the DOM operation. So it's hmm. been more about making sure that the platform works exactly how it should. Yep. So the more things we fix there, the more than all analytics will work. And so right. that's where we've got, I don't know if you've seen in the all the tests that we have in the site. So the part-time website slash tests has basically all of the stuff that I'm, any single API that you're using inside of the, the DOM, it's recreating that. So I, I run it as a JavaScript and then I run it with part-time, make sure that they're identical. So there's a lot of that. So when I add new things to it, it's like, all right, why didn't this work? You know, and try to debug why, what was the thing it tripped up on and then try to fix that one little DOM API of why it didn't work and create a test for that. Yeah. So Adam, Very cool. b- before we release you from the border of North Korea, right. you have the the tagline, and I found it on, on GitHub, uh, a fun location for your third-party <laughs> scripts to hang out. So where did yeah. the name, we're talking about party count. If someone just tuned <laughs> yeah. into this podcast, they're probably thinking like, what are these crazy people talking about? I know. Where, I've been so torn on the name uh, of like, it's to me, so it's a great dumb. name because it brings it's fantastic. It brings levity <laughs> and joy to, like I said, hot jar. Right? It brings levity and joy to things that stress people out that care about performance. Yeah, um, it it really came down to when we were talking about this idea originally with Steve, you know, the CEO of Builder.io. We we're talking about this idea about like we want to put these third-party scripts into a different location. You know, we want to put these these parties into a different town, like into this party town, basically. And that's like we actually have a thread of is how this turned into party town. And he's like, oh, that's great. We should use that as a name. I'm like, no, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, really. And the more I got to think about it, like, all right, maybe, maybe it we should like the, the methodology I used to pick where I was going to college. So, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I get it. Yeah. So there wasn't too much thought. Let's just say that. It just it play on words with party town and party scripts. Don't let anybody mess with you. It's a fantastic name. Stick great. to it. I, I realize that you're kind of like, oh, you know, maybe we should be a little more buttoned down about it. it it's great because it, I get this vision of all of these you know, <laughs> terribly behaving scripts are all in their own little place oh. and they're just partying their little face off and we don't well, have to worry the about truth. it. There, there's no noise complaints. There's no banging on the walls. Like it's fantastic. It's yeah. Fantastic. Well, then, then you've you've understood the, the analogy. That's totally what it is. It's they're yeah. all misbehaving somewhere else in their own town. But I did want it. Now I mentioned something to you when we were starting this podcast. I said I wanted to see if it was okay if we talked about Cloudflare Zaraz. And yes, you looked at me like I had two heads. You were just like, <laughs> yeah, what? what? <laughs> So the first I heard of it. When I was talking to John about Party Town, I said, oh, you can also check out this Zaraz thing. And it's basically a place to run tracking scripts, but in an edge worker. So Cloudflare actually runs them at the edge somehow. I don't know how this magic works. It's a company that was acquired by Cloudflare. And the idea is that same idea as Party Town in that you're going to sequester these scripts into something else. You know, They're going to run somewhere other than the main thread. 
But in this case, instead of in a web worker, they're going to run as an edge worker. So the only way that this will actually work is if you use Cloudflare and you have handed over the keys to your DNS to them. I don't know all of the technical ways that it works, but I would imagine it works because they own your DNS. So therefore they can run these things in, a, in an edge worker under your subdomain somewhere, somehow. And it seems a little more specific than Party Town in that they have integrations with some of these specific tracking scripts. It doesn't look like it's just for arbitrary stuff, but I, I don't I don't really know. But I wanted to see if you had any thoughts on this Zaraz thing. Yeah, it, it's certainly new to me and really interesting. The questions I'd have is, so like Google Analytics, it's you know 200 kilobytes of JavaScript. And in it, it's doing a intersection observer, document that title, getting the cookies, local storage. It does all these things yep. to the DOM yep. and it needs to. And then like every time you click a button, it, from that click, it, does, it reads all the events of every single element all the way up to window. So there's a lot of things that that JavaScript needs to do. And so my question would be, obviously they figured this out of how to, how to do all those things, but all those things happen on the browser. So how are they able to translate that information that, that this button click happened at this location? Yeah. Well, so because I when in my exploration doing Party Town, I also did Zaraz on another site on my like company site, just because you know, why not? <laughs> and you can also set triggers mm-hmm. in the control panel for different events like click events, but within the Zaraz control panel. Okay. Cause like- so somehow it's monitoring click events or it, I don't I don't know how it's doing it, but I have categorized clicks and then I have subcategorizations of like if it's in the header or in the body or in the footer, and it's all happening happening somehow through magic yeah i mean atomics. like i think it's atomics yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah I, I, that's what i mean like the the google analytics script has got a lot of logic to do special things and send special events automatically and that's why the file is so big so then if you still want to do those same things but you don't do them on the main thread how how does that information get passed so yeah there must be some config that we're going to link to their technical blog which has that. a long discussion of how it works in the show notes and i've also put it in the chat for you to check out. But I I don't know exactly how it works, but it sounds like they're trying to solve a similar Mm -hmm. problem, but they're trying to solve it at the edge. So it's a similar idea in terms of running it in a worker, but you're going to run the worker somewhere else. And in the case of Party Town, we're going to run the script somewhere else, but it's going to be inside of the same client, just in a separate lower priority thread to do it. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like they're kind of trying to solve similar problems, even though it looks like Party Town is a little bit more general in that you can just make anything a text slashed party town script and it and it should just work yeah they have specific integrations that who knows how much work they've had to do as you mentioned contacting google to get them to rewrite how they did it maybe they had to rewrite some of how it worked in order to get that uh, functionality in there i I don't know yeah it's certainly cool i really want to learn more about it and maybe there's maybe there's it may complement each other too of like certain things that it can't do or that party town can't do like especially with the uh cores headers and stuff like that that's awesome. Well, I don't know, but since this was a third-party company that Cloudflare acquired, and since they seem to have all the money in the world, who knows? Maybe <laughs> we'll be hearing about a real party town at Party Town after yeah. you get acquired by Cloudflare. Right. Well, it's all open source, so. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Copy paste. <laughs> it's too late. On that down note, that about yeah. wraps it up for another episode <laughs> of the devmode.fm podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe, tell a friend, drop us a review. We really appreciate it. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Ryan Ireland. And I'm John Morton. And thank you so much, Adam Bradley from Builder.io for coming on to talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun.
was great. Yeah, I wanted to, I know I reiterated it a couple of times, but I wanted to bring it back to just how easy it was to get this thing up and running. Because I, I, I personally, I love talking with you about all the nerdy implementation details, but I don't want to scare anyone off from trying Party <laughs> yeah, Town. Yeah. Seriously, because it is really cool. And even though Ryan, I don't know what Ryan's doing. Ryan's been sitting there doing NPM install for the last hour. <laughs> But it, it's really not that hard to get it up and running. I, 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 mean, I was amazed. I got it running. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. John got it running. What's your problem, Ryan? I don't. Why you? I don't have a problem. I mean, I have lots of problems. Not this one. <laughs> this isn't it. This All isn't right, one I'm of my problems. I'm gonna stop the. Record.